1: Smallman Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN
2: Blues with the draw. Kairou cuts it back on the near side,
1: works it to the goal, back ends in front. They score. The Blues feed it right in front on an amazing move by Jordan
2: Kairu. And they take a 2-0 lead with 19.33 to go in the second period of play. Kyrou in, holds, far wings, they score! Tarasenko, 3-1 St. Louis, 11.05 to go in the second period. And a great pass from Cairo. He brings it in, he sets it up. They get it back, he shoots, he scores! Kyrou with two.
3: And he's putting on a show in the old ballpark tonight.
4: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Happy New Year! It is 7:01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And that was the voice of Chris Kerber on Saturday night at the Winter Classic in Minnesota, Target Field. The Blues a 6-4 victory over the Minnesota Wild. Actually, a dominant performance by the Blues. Kairou Tarasenko, Barbashev, kairu again, and Krug with goals. In the second period, Michelle and the Blues roll to a 6-4 win, and they're in first place in the Central Division as we head into 2022.
5: Good morning, Randy, and Happy New Year.
4: Same to you. This is... Hey, we can't lose in 2022.
5: What a way to start the year for our St. Louis Blues. What a spectacular event the Winter Classic was. I say that because I watch it from the warmth and comfort of my couch. Makes it better. And I wasn't freezing my tush off in Minnesota. But God bless those fans. They are a special kind of dedicated and crazy and awesome. And I just loved seeing so many Blues fans there. I loved hearing them sing the Home of the Blues during the anthem and, and go crazy when the Blues scored. And we heard that several times. But I don't think we could have gotten a better event or a better performance from the st louis blues at the winter classic
4: no when you think about what they were able to accomplish in that second period jordan Cairo, who oh by the way will join us coming up at about 8:50, 50 uh, being named the first star of the week in the league and the blues continuing what has been a really good run they get their players back Raiden shen will be back tomorrow night and those guys perform as they return you couldn't have asked for much more
5: No, and I absolutely love that a national audience got to watch Jordan Cairo be Jordan Cairo. We know how special he is in St. Louis, but you and I talked about it not that long ago. What can Jordan Cairo be? Will he be one of those stars that's on the top tier of these young players that are emerging as the new faces or the current faces of the NHL? And I don't know if he's going to get there, but he's certainly a rocket ship headed that way. And it was great to see the national media and national fans of of hockey around the country get a taste of what Jordan Cairo is
4: and when you look back we talk a lot and provide a lot of accolades to Doug Armstrong well-deserved accolades we might add but after that 2016 season Brian Elliott went to Doug Armstrong and said look I want to be a number one goalie I know I'm not going to be a number one goalie here because you guys have Jake so the Blues were not going to have Brian Elliott he wasn't going to be their goalie so on draft night Doug Armstrong makes a deal with Calgary since Brian Elliott to the Flames for a second round pick. And that winds up being Jordan Cairo. So a, a guy that didn't want to be with you anymore, be, not because he didn't like St. Louis, but because he didn't think that he fit into your plans. And you didn't think he fit into your plan, so you move him and you get Jordan Cairo back, who's doing what he's doing in 2021 22, 22, It's another great move by Doug Armstrong.
5: Incredible. And let's throw this one on the pile, too. We've talked about it a little bit, but it bears repeating that he knows when to hang on to a player, yep. even though they don't want to be here. And of course, we're talking about <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko. So much talk about him this offseason. But the Winter Classic, another example on that line with Thomas and Cairo of how productive Vladdy has been this season. And I love Randy seeing him interact with the fans taking selfies at the winter classic mm-hmm. for something that could have been a major distraction. And it was a major gamble on the part of Doug Armstrong. It has paid off and it has paid off big time.
4: And Vladdy is not acting like a player that doesn't want to be here. Is he?
5: He is not. And I certainly don't want him to leave town. No. Uh, he's playing great. He's been a great teammate. He's been a great represent representative of the organization. And I know that a lot of times when you're a professional, you're able to push those feelings down until the time arrives again to make a tough business decision. But you're right. The way he's playing, the way he's embracing being a Blue and being a part of this team, it does not seem like he wants to leave. So we'll see how that plays out.
4: Blues have a one-point lead over Nashville in the central division they both played both played 33 games blues have 43 points predators have 42 minnesota now 3 points behind the blues and colorado still lurking there they played five fewer games than the blues and fi- have five fewer points so colorado is still lurking, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with before the season is over.
5: I don't want to put the cart before the horse, Randy. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but this is the first segment of 2022. But doesn't it feel like this Blues team has that that special something?
4: Yeah, there's magic there. There's no doubt about it.
5: The fact that they're that they're sitting in the position that they are, the performance that we just saw against a team that is really good in the Minnesota Wild, everything the Blues endured this season, the fact that they're having fun showing up at the Winter Classic in beachwear. Mm-hmm. This is just just a team that has been battle tested and proven that they have the depth to go far in the playoffs. And more importantly, they're a team. They're having fun together. Mm-hmm. There's that chemistry there. I don't know. I'm starting to get that feeling that this is a team that could do some damage.
4: At Pittsburgh tomorrow night, and you'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. Meanwhile, last night at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, the Steelers beat the Browns 26-14. Of more importance than that game is that it was Ben Roethlisberger's, presumable. Last home game as a member of the Steelers, a scoreless first quarter. They get into the second, get the ball down to the five-yard line, and Big Ben does what he's done so many times before.
1: First and goal. Ben, quick throw. Deontay Johnson hung on to that one. Touchdown, Steelers.
4: In the fourth quarter, the Steelers increased a 19-14 lead to 26-14 on a 37-yard run by Najee Harris with 51 seconds left, and that allowed Roethlisberger to go out to the field and take a knee.
6: Yeah, it's, um, I didn't think I was going back out, and then, um, you know, anybody in football will tell you when you're on offense that that's the best play in football, the best formation, the best, best play, and so to go out there and take a knee made it probably even more emotional and more real, and, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but I, like I, I said out on the field, I think that's kind of been, feels like that's been my style. Not pretty, but finding a way to win, and I think that's 92 wins here at Heinz Field, and that just, that's what it's always been about for me is winning football games. And um, this is one more, and it's very special.
4: Yeah, it, it hasn't been pretty, but it has been successful for the Steelers with Big Ben. I don't know how they replace him, but they sure should have enjoyed every year since 2004.
5: For an organization that has had a lot of success, he's been the foundation. He's been the anchor that has kept this team where they are. And it's going to be difficult for them to replace him, but it's time. For all those Mm -hmm. times that Big Ben has cried retirement and the preseason and played coy about it, I think everybody, including him, knows that it's time. But, you know, uh, tip of the cap to him, because I don't know a quarterback who's had the length of career that he's had that's endured the beating that he has. I'm sure that body has to be... Just absolutely dead tired. He he deserves to have some time off where he gets to mend his body.
4: And it was fun to watch him sitting on the bench the last time Cleveland had the ball, just looking around, soaking it all in.
6: I just just wanted to sit down and take it in, and um, you know, just just try and absorb every minute of this place because this place is so special. These fans are so special. Um, I wanted to win this game more than than anything for them. Obviously, we we still have a bigger, you know, we got another game. I know there's a slim chance, but but we got to keep fighting. And um, but this this game was was very special to me.
5: I love how Big Ben talked about for them for the Steelers fans, Randy. Because when we were at Canton for the Hall of Fame, there was a big faction of Steelers fans that were there to support the guys that were entering the Hall of Fame. There were several Steelers that were there. And every single one of those candidates, whether it was Bill Cowher, Troy Polamalu, talked about what it meant for them to wear that uniform and represent the Steelers organization and the city of Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and their fans. And it's kind of like a St. Louis Cardinals type relationship, you know? And so for Ben to understand that he played in a place where it meant so much to the people of Pittsburgh that he represented them for so long and to want to get that final win for them, you know, that, that's special. It means something.
4: There was another departure this weekend in the NFL. It was Antonio Brown from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. He, as you've seen a million times already, took off his pads and his jersey, took off his undershirt, took off his gloves, threw those into the stands and had a really grand departure from the field and then got himself a, a driver. Yes, to, a celebrity uh, take, driver. Yeah, to, to, get, to get around New York a little bit. He, he kind of knew what he was doing. Then last night shows up, by the way, at the Brooklyn Nets game, which was cool to see. I'm glad that he's not feeling so bad. A.B. isn't.
5: He's not now. But I wonder once it settles in what, what he's done. And he was in a, uh, as good of a situation as he could have possibly have been in and seemingly blew it all away once more.
4: Bruce Arians told him go into the game. He said no. And he got kicked out. in Rappaport of NFL Network.
7: Antonio Brown did not believe that he was healthy. He had been battling an ankle injury for the last several weeks, did not practice Thursday, did not practice Friday, and I know personally had some doubts whether or not he would be able to be out there and play. What he told the staff, from what I understand, is that he was not going into the game because in his mind he did not feel he was healthy. The response then from the offensive coaches and from Bruce Arians was If you are not going to go into the game, when we tell you to go into the game, then you cannot be here. At that point, they threw him off the sidelines and then cut him from the team. So Antonio Brown, which Bruce Arians announced at the post-game press conference, he is no longer part of the team. They essentially told him that on the sideline, send him packing, leading Antonio Brown with a million dollars incentive right within his reach. He was going to get it. Uh, He left all of that left the field and now is no longer a member of the Buccaneers
4: how about that if it, if it was going to happen to anybody it was going to be Antonio Brown he sure didn't look like he was compromised his ankle didn't look compromised as he left of the field mm-hmm. and if no, Bruce, he was jumping
5: around jogging yeah, off Yeah.
4: if Bruce Arians tells you to go into the game you say coach I can't my ankle's bad and according to Arians Brown never said that to him
5: yeah if you would have told me heading into this weekend there's going to be one nfl player that gets thrown off the sidelines takes off his uniform and runs shirtless back into the locker room who is it i think all of us would put our money on antonio brown yeah and i don't want to be insensitive to mental health i don't know exactly what antonio brown is dealing with there's been you know a lot of talk about stuff that obviously he's dealt with in his life but this is seemingly a person that constantly has situations like this arise And at some point, you're going to have to really face the consequences of your actions. And it seems like this might be the final nail in the coffin for him, at least from an NFL perspective.
4: And the NFL has done as much as could be expected to provide him help for mental health issues. That was one of the things that he had to do before he came back. He had to undergo counseling. He had to undergo numerous tests to get back in the league after his suspension last year. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that don't have that ability. Sure, he might have CTE. We don't know because you can't judge CTE. It can't be diagnosed until after you're dead and your brain is studied by medical experts. But if anybody had access to help for mental health, great access to great help, it was Antonio Brown.
5: Yeah, and had the support system around him. Mm -hmm. You had Bruce Arians and Tom Brady on your side.
4: Yeah. I mean, what more did you want? So, and then last night he shows up at a game. So, I don't know if he has mental health. Clearly, there's something that is not wired correctly there. But I don't know how severe it is. Nobody knows how severe it is. But he didn't need to run off the field like that.
5: No, he did not.
4: And by the way, it is... Ultimately, it's an entertainment sport. They're they're in the entertainment business, and it was very entertaining.
5: It was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Not shocking that he did it, but shocking in real time when you're watching it going, what is What's going down? Here? Yeah,
4: Unbelievable. All right, we're off and running on character and Smallman 2022. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Start one, bench one, cut one on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN
3: I'm ready to go in coach Just give me a chance Character and Smallman Solid athlete, solid arm Start one Warm up, you're going in Bench one Mediocre, hit the shower
1: Cut one You're off the team I blew head it. What? It's start one, bench one, cut one On Character and Smallman
4: We do welcome your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for start one, bench one, cut one, and Michelle with today being the day after Big Ben's final home game. Let's do a 2004 quarterback draft edition. Kay. Start one, bench one, cut one. Big Ben, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning. Now that we have the full body of work available to us.
5: Okay. I'm going to start Eli Manning. Two Super Bowls and hilarious on the Manning cast. He
4: has been great.
5: Hilarious on the Manning cast. Oh, this one's tough um, because I love me some Philip Rivers. And I truly believe Philip Rivers is the type of guy, had he been wearing that Steelers uniform, he would have multiple Super Bowls. So I'm actually going to start, or excuse me, bench Phillip Rivers and cut Big Ben. Surprising, I know.
4: It is surprising.
5: But that's what I'm going to do.
4: I am going to start Big Ben. Played in three Super Bowls. Won two. Uh, top ten in almost every passing go- category in history. I'm going to bench Phillip Rivers. And I am going to, as much as I loved him, and he did win two Super Bowls and saved America not once, but twice.
5: How are you going to cut your guy?
4: I have to cut my guy because if I were going to pick among those three quarterbacks over the course of their careers, obviously 2007-2011, I take Eli Manning. No contest. But from 2004 to 2021, I got to go with Big Ben.
5: Okay, I want to go head coaches who have won, but... Well, one of them is not in a precarious position, but head coaches who have won in the NFL, Mm -hmm. but aren't the flavor of the month right now. Okay. Okay. Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh.
4: Okay. Uh... They have each won a Super Bowl. Hmm. I Boy, this is really tough. Well, it's easy for me to cut Pete Carroll.
5: Okay. Why is that?
4: Because I don't think that he has really elevated the talent that he has. I, I think they did a great job of getting him talent when they were in the Super Bowls. Uh, they were just a magnificently talented team. The Legion of Boom, they had yes, great they defensive were. lines. Marshawn, they they had good receivers and they had Wilson. What John Harbaugh is doing this year and what he's done the last couple of years is phenomenal. I'm going to start Harbaugh, bench Tomlin, and cut Carroll. Harbaugh changed, uh, he went from the most statue quarterback ever in Joe Flacco to the most versatile and best running quarterback most elusive quarterback ever, and changed his offense for Lamar Jackson. And this year, I mean, you think they were down their top seven cornerbacks and are competing. You look at a game against a really good Rams team on Sunday where they only lose by a point, and they're still down their top five corners in that game. Before the season started, they lost their top two running backs. They've never had their left tackle. They've never had their blocking tight end. They played a game with Josh Johnson, at quarterback, and almost won. And they've done it without Lamar now for the last three weeks. i got to go with John Harbaugh.
5: This one was tough for me, too, which is why I wanted to pose it to you. But again, with all of the A.B. drama, it reminds me what a great coach yeah, Mike Tomlin is right. with, between A.B., Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Mike Tomlin has had some drama that has brewed behind closed doors that never really saw the light of day in Pittsburgh, or at least was kept under wraps pretty significantly. And he's a guy who's won, one and who I think guys really respect and love to play for. And I think he's a great coach. So I'm going to start Mike Tomlin. I'm with you on Harbaugh. I think he's done a magnificent job throughout his career, including this season. So I'm almost beat the Rams. And I'm going to bench Harbaugh. Thought that was going to happen Randy for us, but it didn't. And cut Pete Carroll even though I think Pete Carroll's a really really good coach as well.
4: By the way, one thing that we should note about Mike Tomlin One of the hardest things to do is oversee the deterioration of a quarterback. When you look at what happened, for example, with Eli in New York, or when you look at what happened with Phillip in San Diego slash L.A. with the Chargers, those teams really fell off the cliff when the quarterbacks went downhill. And I don't know that Ben is any better than those guys right now, but he's found a way to at least compete with a really diminished Ben Roethlisberger.
8: That's
5: right. Yeah, it could have been ugly. It yeah. could have been where he was deteriorated to a certain point. The fans had turned on him, like they did on Eli. Remember mm-hmm. all the drama that surrounded Eli's exit and yeah. getting benched. Everyone booing. Him. It was just a bad scene.
4: Yeah, now they want him back.
5: Yeah. How do you <laughs> like him now?
4: Your text six five seven eight zero Andrew Martian for the first time in
3: twenty twenty two. How you doing? I'm doing really. I'm doing really good, Randy. That's what we like to hear. Go yeah, on. absolutely. It's been a great start to the year. The Winter Classic was awesome. It looked beautiful. It was. Easily yeah, the best-looking winter classic besides the one that was here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From the 314 wide receivers, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Good ones. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> is Jamar
4: Chase unstoppable? He's
5: incredible. I'm having a tough time deciding if I want to start him or start. I don't want to reveal it. You go ahead.
4: Okay. Okay. You know justin jefferson was the offensive rookie of the year last year <laughs> I know. Jason this is a really good one this year Devonte adams has been doing it for years thing about Devonte is that he has proven now over the course of time that he is uncoverable so i'm, I'm still going to start Devonte adams who by the way benefits from his relationship with his quarterback true aaron rodgers still
5: gets it done though
4: yep i am going to th- this is almost impossible but I'm going to bench Chase and I'm going to cut Jefferson, who has done what he's done with Kirk Cousins at quarterback.
5: I'm going to do the same thing. Um, I love Jamar Chase. I think he's such a great player. And I thought about starting him actually over Devontae Adams, but. You're right, just the length of time that Devontae Adams has been dominant. I can't not start him. So I'm going to start Devontae. I'm going to bench Jamar Chase and cut Justin Jefferson, even though you hate to leave a player like Justin Jefferson on the table.
3: Randy, I will take no Kirk Cousins slander today. I'm the only person that can do that, being a a Vikings fan.
4: That's that's fair enough.
3: I don't don't think he's the problem, by the way.
5: Who's the problem?
3: It's definitely the coaching staff. 100%. Mike Zimmer, oh absolutely, absolutely, okay. And I'm not a I'm not a cousins hater either, by the way. No, you 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 like that. I like that. Yeah, you do. You like that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah,
5: you love Kirk Cousins. Start
3: one, bench one, cut one. Cardinals 2011 Game Six, Blues 2019 Game Seven, or the Rams 2000 Super Bowl.
5: I hate. These are some hard questions. Choosing between these. Okay, so Game 6, 2011. We're
4: talking Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Or the
5: Pat Pat Maroon game.
3: It says says Game 7. There is no... I'm assuming these are all the best games, so I'm going to assume that it's the Pat Maroon game. Okay. Because Game 6 wasn't the clincher. It was just Game 6. Game 6 for the... The Cardinals. Right. Right. Okay, all won by St. Louis guys
5: I know what you're gonna do do you you're gonna start the Rams Super Bowl
4: that's the only one we're ever gonna have
5: (laughs) and I think you'll bench game six and cut Pat Marone that game seven not Pat Marone the person we will never cut Pat Marone yeah you're right is that exactly what you did yep I knew you would do that you I mean you have such a, an intimate relationship with The Greatest Show on Turf. You covered him. You were there for every single step of that run and had an up-close view to how electric and exciting that it was. Yeah. And even and though those two games really are standalone yep. amazing, I just know what that that entire season and experience meant to you.
4: Literally two of the favorite people that I've ever covered in sports are Isaac Bruce and Mike Jones. Yes. And they're, they're there in the last minute 56 of that that Super Bowl win. Not that I don't like Maroon and Freeze, but, I mean, it's just different with, with those guys.
5: And your guy, DV. Yeah,
4: and Kurt Warman. totally. Yeah.
5: All right, I'm going to go. And DeMarco. And DeMarco, of course, our guy. I'm going to start game six because I, I could go home right now, throw that game on, and still get just as excited. I'm going to bench game seven, Pat Maroon, because that was again unreal just the tension of that game too is the same thing as well i guess all all three of these have tension but you know i'm as amazing as the greatest show on turf was and amazing as mike jones is and the tackle is the rams aren't here anymore so they're they're getting the boot sorry
4: but that's the only thing you have to cling to is the greatest show on turf
5: but i don't need to cling to it anymore we've turned the page you know it's it's fond memories i can look back on i don't need to cling to it anymore. we don't
4: do that with david freeze what do you mean? I hope we just don't move on because it happened a long time ago.
5: No, but it's different. The Cardinals don't I don't have feelings of betrayal with the St. Louis oh, okay. Cardinals. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like I I don't need to move on from them.
4: Okay. All right. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service Text Line, 65780. Coming up, week 17 in the NFL. Four downs coming your way on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: and Smallman, and it's time for four downs for week 17 in the NFL. First down. Well, Michelle, as we know, Ben Roethlisberger played his last home game last night, one of the least appreciated quarterbacks of all time. Three Super Bowl appearances. He won two of them. He won as many as Peyton Manning, more than Brett Favre, Steve Young, Drew Brees, or Philip Rivers. Roethlisberger will finish fifth all-time in passing yards in the history of the league. He'll finish eighth in touchdowns and just behind Peyton, tied with Breeze in yards per attempt. Roethlisberger, third in fourth quarter comebacks. He has 40 in his career, behind only Peyton and Brady, and did all of that for a team that notoriously loves to run the ball and play defense. He was a difference maker in Pittsburgh. He changed the way they play the game. Only Peyton Manning, Brady, and Breeze four times have yardage seasons better than Big Ben's 5,129 yards in 2018. Only three quarterbacks have amassed more yards in a season than Ben Burger. He's fifth all-time in wins, an easy Hall of Famer, and way, way, way underrated.
5: Way, 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 way underrated?
4: Way, 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 way underrated because we don't talk about him in the same breath as we do Brady or Manning or Breeze but he's right there with those guys
5: yeah you're right we don't I wonder why
4: because we're, we think of Pittsburgh as a tough running team but he turned it into a passing team
5: but he was a, a tough quarterback yeah right <laughs> he, and he threw the
4: daylights out of the he ball he
5: really did but he, he embodied what it meant to be a Pittsburgh Steeler but through yeah. the quarterback position
4: yeah he changed things there because remember when he got there it was Jerome Bettis, right? It was yes, it the was bus. the bus. They were running the ball. And as he evolved, and as Mike Tomlin evolved, and as the game evolved, he turned into a really good quarterback. Second down.
6: The king of the North! The king of the North! The king of the North.
5: Just as his IG photo said, Randy, Joe Burrow is the king in the north. The Bengals are headed to the playoffs for the first time in six years after a 34-31 win over the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. The Bengals rallied from three 14-point deficits. It was a dramatic one, and it ended on rookie Evan McPherson's 20-yard field goal as the clock struck zero. Kansas City snapping an eight-game winning streak and also handing t- Tennessee the top seed in the AFC with that one. But the Bengals are 10-6, and and they're finally back in the postseason, thanks to Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, both breaking team records on Sunday. We're going to get to that in a second, but this one was all LSU, Randy. This was all LSU. (laughs) It was all Joey B and Jamar Chase. So, we mentioned the record. Jamar Chase had 11 catches for 266 yards, which set the franchise record for a single game and scored three touchdowns in this Week 17 win. And Joey B, what more can you say about Joe Burrow? He did it at LSU. He's doing it again in Cincinnati, coming in and making a program a winning He completed 30 of 39 attempts, threw for 466 yards and four scores, and broke the franchise record for passing yards in a season 4,611. That passes Andy Dalton, who had that record in 2013, and he holds the single-season franchise record for passing touchdowns with 34. And Rex Ryan was on ESPN and said, hey, Joe Burrow, King in the North, better get used to it.
9: All I've ever said about him is he reminds me of Tom Brady. Well, that's Joe yeah. Burrow, And tall. so to me, I went against Tom Brady more than any coach that, that's ever gone, you know, 20
4: games or whatever it is. Yeah. That's who this kid is. You say a killer? This is a hired killer. Yeah. And when you see him right there, he's got it all. Yeah. And, and when the Bengals came out and I said, take him one, even though I like Herbert better, I'll take him that one. Why? Bad. He's a local kid and he's a leader. This dude right here is going to take your whole football team and say, you know what? Let's go. Can they beat anybody? Yeah, because of this guy. This guy is amazing.
5: And what did the hired killer do after his big one? It was a familiar scene. He lit up a stogie next to his (laughs) LSU team. We have Andrew doing the get the gat, Jamar Chase, but Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, LSU taking it to Ohio and getting it done.
4: And what makes the NFL great is that A city like Cincinnati can get a guy like Joe Burrow and keep him around. And it's such a quarterback driven league that they can plan on being good for a long time just because they have that guy. Oh, by the way, Jamar Chase, as you mentioned, 11 catches, 266 yards, 266 yards receiving. Patrick Mahomes, 259 yards passing. (laughs) Chase had more yards than Mahomes did. Impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Third down. All right, Michelle, you may have heard on Sunday the Joe Judge 11-minute rant, he's the coach of the Giants, about how good things are in New York. He talked about how hard his guys are working and how they have the process in place, how they're just on the edge of greatness. All good to hear, but like one of his predecessors said, don't tell me about the labor, just show me the baby. (laughs) To be fair, Judge hasn't had a good quarterback GM Dave Gettleman took Daniel Jones, and he's been an abject failure. They don't have any backup quarterbacks. They haven't gotten good work out of their offensive line, even though they spent the fourth pick in the draft out of left tackle. And Judge is in a pressurized environment. But he's 10-22, and the team looks bad, and they got drilled by the Bears at Chicago. You already had a vote of confidence, Joe. Just shut up and fix it. <laughs> just, just shut up and coach. Eleven minutes. Come on, I don't need that. I don't need you telling me. Yeah, I was on a staff in 2018 where we felt like we were all going to get fired. Well, you know what? 2018, you were on the Patriots staff. They were six and two at midseason, and you won the Super Bowl. So nobody was afraid of getting fired. No. Come on, give me a break.
5: Good one, Randy. I yeah. like that. Thank you.
1: Fourth down.
5: The Packers were firmly in the driver's seat in their 37-10 win over the Minnesota Vikings, the Kirk Cousinless Minnesota Vikings. But they claim the NFC's number one seed and a first-round bye to start the playoffs. And this moves Packers head coach Matt LaFleur to 39-9 in his first three seasons as the team's head coach, the most wins for a head coach through their first three seasons in NFL history. It was another stellar night for Aaron Rodgers as well. He finished 29 of 38, 288 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and it was his. Six straight games with multiple touchdowns and no interceptions. That ties Don Meredith for the second longest streak in NFL history. And he said he was feeling good health-wise after the game. That toe, he said, was feeling great, which is awesome news if you're a Packers fan. But... As the Packers wrap up the top seed in the NFC, a couple of questions face them now as they're locked into the postseason. Number one, will Rodgers and the starters play in the fi- in the season finale versus the Lions? Matt LaFleur has a tough decision here to make. He needs to decide if momentum is key or if freshness is the path, path to victory. And keep in mind that after the Packers watch the wild card weekend game, they won't play until January 22nd or 23rd in the divisional round. So it's quite a while to wait if you don't play these guys. And number two, after two tough playoff losses as in as many years, can the Packers get past the NFC championship game and make it back to the Super Bowl? Aaron Rodgers said post game that he liked the weather in Green Bay and that he he likes it the colder, the better, which is good because the road to the Super Bowl officially is going through Green Bay.
4: And they're good enough to be able to beat anybody in the NFC, even though they've been pretty mediocre since 2001 playing home playoff games at Lambeau Field. But they're the team that's playing the best and it's hard for me to imagine that somebody's going to be able to go up there and win i really do think that the only team that was capable and i I think with now the loss of chris godwin it's going to be really tough for tampa i'm not even going to include antonio brown as part of this and and by the way they don't have leonard fournette either it's hard for me to imagine that somebody in the nfc is going to go up to green bay and beat him
5: yeah the tampa bay bucks i thought would be the team but you, you lose I'm, I'm going to include Antonio Brown in that you lose three major weapons yeah. on offense it's going to be tough to overcome that
4: and Dallas I think lost the faith of everybody with mm-hmm. their lost Arizona Arizona it's going to be really difficult to go up there it's January 30th it's going to be zero degrees it's going to be hard for the Rams to go up there and uh, a, a warm weather team that that's what they want to do is they want to play in warm weather I think the Packers might be the only cold weather team in the NFC that's playing in the playoffs so that benefits them. It does. So, uh, number one seed. You got to like what the Packers are, and you got to like if, if the Titans get Derrick Henry back, arrested Derrick Henry, scary. Super scary. Yeah. What
5: would you do if you were Matt LaFleur?
4: I would play him for a half. I, I would play all my guys for a half and then do what Vermeil did in 99 and then get him out of there. But yeah, I, I agree with the thought process of not playing for three weeks. It's hard to stay sharp. It really is. And that's. Yeah, it'd be one, two. It'd, it'd be three weeks. So, yeah, get them in a the game. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. That's four downs on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the air comfort service. Text line 65780. Take it or leave it is next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it.
4: Time for take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, and we've got take it or leave it for you. Michelle, in the 2005 season, Pittsburgh went to the Super Bowl under Ben Roethlisberger. 2006, Peyton Manning led the Colts. 2007, Eli Manning led the Giants. 2009, 2008 season, Pittsburgh under Roethlisberger went back. Peyton Manning went back in 2009. Then. Uh, Roethlisberger went back in 2010 and Eli went back in 2011. Seven consecutive Super Bowls with either Ben Roethlisberger or Eli or Peyton Manning starting in the Super Bowl. Take it or leave it. We were spoiled by those three. I'll take it. Yeah. Usually there's one or two top of the line quarterbacks. There was, was at that point. And those guys especially from the 2004 draft and then they have the brothers it was unbelievable
5: I guess you're spoiled if you like quarterback play good quarterback play or you like the same teams being good mm-hmm. I would say if you were in the same division as those guys you wouldn't, Probably say wouldn't like it that much yeah
4: and the, the other interesting thing is is that Eli was 30 when he won his last Super Bowl Roethlisberger was 28 and Aaron Rodgers was 30 when he beat the Steelers in 2010 Mm. that's another thing we're spoiled by is Manning Peyton Manning playing well into his 30s and Brady because those are the only two other guys they don't win Super Bowls beyond the age of 30 or 31
5: it's going to be interesting to see Mahomes is obviously the next case study what he Mm -hmm. looks like as his career advances how how durable is he what's the longevity of his career going to look like and
4: does Joe Burrow surpass him
5: true that's a good question Justin Herbert's in that uh, conversation he as sure well. He sure is, yeah. All right, Randy. Well, um, we haven't talked a lot of college football today. We're going to get into that more tomorrow, I know. But kind of a disappointing weekend from a college football perspective. Notre Dame, not a great showing. They lose the Fiesta Bowl to Oklahoma State 37-35. That was a tough one for them. That drops Notre, Notre Dame to 0-8 in BCS or New Year's 6 games. It's the most losses without a win by any team. Mm. Take it or leave it, Marcus Freeman changes that.
4: I'm gonna leave it. I don't think that they'll be able to get good enough players there. I just don't think that they'll be able to compete for with teams for New Year New Year's Six schemes. I don't for example, if you put Notre Dame in the SEC, they aren't as good, obviously, as Alabama or Georgia or AM or on a regular basis. It hasn't been this way for the last few years. Florida, Auburn, LSU. I mean, Notre Dame just their academic standards are such that their pool of great athletes is not near what it is for SEC schools
5: so you think that the reasons that Brian Kelly had for leaving are going to continue
4: oh yeah I and don't I'm not talking about the hundred million
5: dollars I'm talking yeah. from a winning perspective right
4: yeah he could beat Alabama at LSU that's been proven he can't beat him at Notre Dame so yeah I'm, I'm taking it that he he I guess I'm leaving it that that he can. Yeah, and you're gonna I, leave it. Yeah. I, and I'm a fan too. I, I'm a fan of Freeman and that staff, and I think they're they'll be really good. And I think what Kelly did maximizes the program, but I don't know if you can get much better than what they've been.
5: As as we see again, though, the SEC is obviously the cream of the crop. It's, it's just great. If you're at the the top of the food chain in the SEC, you're at the top of the food chain in college football.
4: Crazy good. And by the way, congratulations to. Luther Burden for that 65 yard touchdown Ooh. catch on the opening play of the Under Armour All-Star game.
5: Impressive. He can play. Yes, he can.
4: All right.
3: Your tech, 65780. Oh, Andrew Marsh, what do you got for us? From the 314 Take It or Leave It MLB Network firing Ken Rosenthal because he wrote a story about Manfred that Manfred didn't like makes the league and Manfred look even worse than they already do.
8: Oh,
5: take it. Of Totally course. take
3: it. Yeah.
4: I mean, you have to have if you're going to be a sports commissioner And you're also going to oversee an entity that talks about the sport you have to to have any semblance of credibility you have to allow your people to write and say what they feel
5: and it's not as if ken rosenthal was making it a personal attack it was an assessment based on things that rob manford had done right (laughs) you know and um there's ken rosenthal is as good of a journalist as you're going to find he obviously is so credible he has journalistic integrity if you're going to pick a fight with somebody who's going to criticize you maybe don't pick it with ken rosenthal of all people
4: right and he probably has some dirt too i would think if if anybody has dirt it's probably kenny
5: I imagine if he didn't before, after this went down, there's a lot of people that yeah. were talking.
4: And that's a slippery slope. You and I dealt with it because when we did the Rams pregame show, that was a Rams show. They paid us.
5: Oh, yeah. That's very tough.
4: And we
5: got in trouble a few times.
4: Well, but the thing was, I, I don't know if you thought felt this way. I never even thought about the fact of where the check was coming from. I just did the show. And Correct. that's why we got in trouble.
5: Exactly. We when you ask us to preview the game and the Rams are 15 and 65, <laughs> what? what is the preview going to be? How are the Rams going to lose today? Exactly. That's the preview of the game. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they weren't uh, sensitive to the things that we were saying. I mean, mm-hmm. things as benign as, I mean, they're not here anymore. We can give this example. We're not the home of the Rams. But one time someone did an update that said the Rams and I believe the 49ers were in the battle for the basement in the NFC West, the game coming up this week. And they got we got in trouble for that. You guys have won one game you're upset that we're calling it the battle for the basement you're
4: terrible one time in like 2014 we had a segment on who the best coach i think the rams were playing seattle who the best coach in the division was was it carol or bruce arians or jim harbaugh and so we, we did those three and we got a phone call well why didn't you include coach fisher <laughs> it was like well we didn't want to embarrass him <laughs>
5: Because he's not in the conversation. One of
4: these things is not like the other. Why even bring him up? But here's the thing with Ken Rosenthal is he can't write a story for The Athletic wondering how Rob Manfred is going to react to it. And Rob Manfred should not expect him to think about that.
5: And this is just like if... If athletes get booed and then they go on social media and they rip the fans yeah Rob Manfred if you think that firing Ken Rosenthal from MLB Network is going to stop people from criticizing you you're wrong you just threw a big pot of gasoline on the fire right you just gave them another reason to torch you because you let go of their esteemed colleague
3: good question all right, from the 314, there is another NFL team stupid and desperate enough to give Antonio Brown another chance. I'll I'm, take it.
5: I'm going to leave it. I really am. I think that you are they're going to look at the people who have tried to take a chance on him mm-hmm. and say, okay, if Brady couldn't do it, if Arians couldn't do it, if Tomlin wanted no part of it at the end, is this really something that I want to bring into my organization? He's unreliable. You know how this story is going to end. This is a person that does things without thinking and doesn't think that the consequences apply to them. And is that really somebody, even though he is talented on the football field, that I want to bring into my organization? Probably not, because there's no Tom Brady to shield him in whatever other organization. You know, when when Tom Brady says he's living with me, I'm, I'm working with him that kind of quells a lot of questions because if the undisputed leader of this team is protecting him in that way th- that's not gonna happen anywhere
4: else how about this one Michelle and this is presuming that he gets released today or tomorrow Michael Gallup just tore his ACL for the Cowboys
5: oh that's a good one because
4: I mean the Raiders have been there done that they aren't doing it again Jerry
5: Jones doesn't care
4: no Jerry jo- does not you're a hundred percent right the Patriots have done that. The Packers aren't going to do that. Nah. It would be foolish. It, it, it'd be foolish on the part. There are some teams that like are on the edge, but most teams have already that would be inclined to do it have already done it. I do think that Dallas would be a possibility, though.
5: That might be the only one, though.
4: Yeah. It takes all, all it takes is one dumb person. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't Hey, you're dumb enough to cost your uh, whole league $790 million, right?
5: But they got what they wanted.
4: Yeah, they did. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our buddy Mike Claiborne. It's a Tuesday in 2022. Claiborne is next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN a fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories it's character and smallman's fresh tea brought to you by schnooks get the app that gets you download the schnooks rewards app today
4: 8 4 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to wish a happy new year to the one and only Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Mike Claiborne. Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
9: I'm doing great, and happy new year to you guys.
4: Great to have you with us, and uh, I've been reading all weekend about the new look Claibs online.
9: Yeah, we just wanted to freshen it up a little bit. Uh, we've got some different features that we're going to include, and you know, we got. I think we have like nine different items that we try and post each week, uh, including huddle up with Howard. I do lunch with Joe Roderick. We also have uh, a few other people that get involved. The two man game with Bob Ramsey and Matt Rocky. You know, talking some hoops. So we got a few things going. We just wanted to freshen it up a little bit. We've got some other things we're going to implement over the course of the month that uh, we hope people are like.
4: And our buddy Alex Ferrario is also a member of Claves Online. He is
9: part of it. He is part of it. He is one of our hockey guys and. Uh, Alex does a really good job, as you guys know, was, as far as him being involved with the Blues broadcast. So we're, we're very fortunate to have him.
5: Well, Claves, I want to bring you into the conversation Randy and I were just having. I saw you tweet about it this weekend, so I know you have an opinion on it. Do you think a team will be desperate and perhaps dumb enough to take a chance on Antonio Brown after what he pulled with the Buccaneers this weekend?
9: No, I, I don't think so. And, and I think what it would come to is. You know, the teams who may have an interest better check that locker room first and and talk to some of those players and and ask them, is he going to be a distraction? And and I think when you look at the winningest coach or one of the most successful coaches and Bill Belichick, who had to walk away from him, most successful quarterback, Tom Brady, who, who lobbied for him to come to Tampa, who's kind of washed his hands of him. I'm just not sure who that team and what that individual looks like who feels like he can take on a guy like Antonio Brown and and make him a better player. I mean, he's gone through a lot of things and nothing seems to work. So I, I think if you have a team that's on the cusp of success, that the last thing they need is a distraction where all of a sudden the attention turns to him and the players have to deal with this on a daily basis and they're walking on eggshells. You don't need it. I mean, there's plenty of good players in this game that deserve an opportunity to be able to contribute to a winning ball club. And, Having Antonio Brown around, I just don't think helps your situation.
4: Mike, with and you know Jerry Jones. You've dealt with him. With the fact that Michael Gallup is hurt, would Jerry Jones go there?
9: I don't think so. You know what? I think they've got a real good core of players that would probably say, you know what, let's look from within. We may have somebody here that we may need to give some reps to. Uh, I just don't think it's worth the investment at this point. Uh, and I know Jerry's taken chances on people before. I mean, he's he's kind of like the Al Davis of, mm-hmm. of this generation where he'll take a flyer on a guy who's had a troubled past. But, you know, Cowboys feel like they're good enough to be in the Super Bowl, okay? And why, why take on a distraction of that nature, especially in Dallas, with everything is evolving around players on and off the field? You, you just don't need it.
5: Well, Claves, it was the coldest game in NHL history, but the Blues kept it hot with a 6-4 win in the Winter Classic over the Wild. And with Braden Shen getting activated, the team is nearing full health. What's your assessment of what this Blues team can be?
9: Well, i, I tell you, Michelle, it's a good question because everything seems – the moon and stars seem like they're about to become alive with this team where you- you've had a chance to see your minor league operation in action on, na- on the National Hockey League level, and they accounted for themselves reasonably well. You don't have, in my opinion, you really don't have what I would deem a fourth line. I think when you look at the balance of this team, where every every line has a real interesting skill set to it, and I think they're going to be hard to play against. I think if there's one concern I would have, I always like to have a guy ride shotgun and have a physical presence. And I know the game is kind of moving away from that. But man, if you have a guy on your team that can that's willing and make sure that somebody doesn't get roughed up, because when we get in the postseason, you're going to have teams that are going to have people that are going to try and get you off your game and take a penalty or maybe play the body a little excessively. So you need to have that that element. And uh, who, who that person is, I don't know. I don't think he's in the organization. But I'd like to have just one more bit of sandpaper on his hockey team.
4: And, Claves, you think about the 2018 team with Maroon and Blay and Sanford would get involved at times. And then you had such a big defense, too. And, and guys that were like Edmondson was willing to use his physicality, Bortuzzo willing to use his physicality. There were a lot of guys on that team that were really physical. And I get, too, that the game is changing. But once you get to playoff time, you want to be able to beat some people up. And I, I'm not talking about fighting. I'm talking about just banging them. And the Blues don't have as many bangers as they had three years ago.
9: No, they don't. And and I think the best example I would use is the Blues assaulted the San Jose Sharks. They literally reduced the Dallas Stars to just a a flickering light, more or less, because of their physical play. And and neither of those teams had enough of a pushback to to make a difference in those series. So, and, and I think now when you look at Dallas, you know, they've kind of created a little bit more edge about themselves. Um, And there's some other teams. Minnesota's a team like that. And I was really surprised that when Minnesota found themselves behind the eight ball that they didn't really exert a more physical presence because they have that on their team. They didn't do it. But at some point, somebody will. But other than that, there's nothing really to complain about this hockey team right now. I think they're clicking on all eight cylinders, uh, if there are eight cylinders left anymore. (laughs) But uh, They they just do a really good job in every aspect of the game. Uh, I thought the other night, the, the, the passing was really phenomenal, especially on a, on, a, on a surface that nobody was sure how it was going to play out. I, I just think they're playing with a lot of confidence and really trusting each other a lot more than maybe they did in the past couple of years. Hey, claims one
4: more thing. It was on this date in 2006 that Texas beat USC in that Rose Bowl, 41-38. And I think it's the best college football game I've ever seen. And I was rooting for USC. But, man, was Vince Young unbelievable in that game.
9: They had no answer for him down the stretch. And, you know, that, that game made Vince Young a lot of money. He also lost a lot of money along the way. But you know, if you go back to one game and it being a difference maker in a player's career, I would agree with you, Randy. That, that game had everything you, would have, you could imagine. And you think about all the good pro players that ended up being on both of those teams. Uh, it, it was epic. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure if we're going to see that sort of game next Monday night with Alabama and Georgia.
4: No, it might be what fourteen to ten next week if we get to yeah, yeah. if we get three touchdowns out of it.
9: So let me ask you this question: You know, we we took a flyer on both those games, thinking, all right, we just stick around and watch for a while. This game is going to be fun. How much time will you give this championship game if this thing gets off to a slow start or Alabama opens up a can on on Georgia really early? How long do you stay with this game?
4: Well, Mike, we both get up for a morning show. So <laughs> oh, yeah, You have a
9: reason to check out. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I, 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 see, you've already built this in. I, I like that. That's good. Me, on the other hand, I'll be trying to find Below Deck or some other show on a Monday night. <laughs>
4: hey, Happy New Year. We advise everybody to follow Klabe's online on all the social media platforms. You do great work there, and we always love having you on. Happy New Year again. Thanks. All right. You guys have a great week. We'll talk soon. You bet. See you later. Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN.
5: Shout out to Captain Sandy. Below deck reference.
4: I like Captain Lee better.
5: Do you? Uh,
4: not, not that I have anything against Captain Sandy.
5: If we're power ranking captains, you're going Lee over Sandy? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah,
4: he's he's a little bit more gruff. She's motivational, though. She is good.
5: I feel like you could get away with more with Captain Sandy.
4: Michelle, the show hasn't been the same since Kate left. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Did not expect us to go here. Love it.
4: <laughs> Darren Payne coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back
1: to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis blues as we head into the blues booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home. With locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com.
4: go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Carriker and Smallman, and it's always fun to visit with Darren Pang, blues broadcaster on Bally Sports and TNT the other night. Good morning, Panger. Have you thought out yet?
10: Randy <laughs> and Michelle, yeah, I, I, I thought out, but I tell you what, it was uh, it, the, the bones were uh, were rattling a little bit, and, and I, think, I think because you're so cold, you, you tense up a lot. So uh, I went to a place yesterday called Restore here in Chesterfield and got... Uh, a hot sauna and a stretch, and it uh, felt a lot better this morning. But I was, I was actually, yeah, feeling a little pain for sure.
5: Well, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better, Panger. And it was such a spectacular television production; it really looked amazing on TV. But there was points where you would be talking. And I'm like, how is Panger even talking right now with it <laughs> being so cold? But as the game went on, did you just get completely numb and get acclimated to it, or were you battling the cold the entire time?
10: Well, the, the, you know what? I, you battle it the whole time, just trying to keep your 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 mind sharp on it. But surprisingly, I was I was pretty warm um, in certain areas. Um, it's it's really your toes got a little cold, tips from your fingers. But you know, you've got all those you know those those warmers. Um, I must have gone through probably twenty five to thirty of those warmers. They were on top of my toes. They were below my toes. They were on top of my hands. They're below my hands and. Um, the Blues were. Um, you, you guys probably saw that story, the great story about the uh, the Packers trainer uh, calling the, the Richie Matthews and the Blues trainers and, and saying, "Listen, you're going to need more than what you think you're going to need. Uh, so we're going to give you all the information that the Packers would use, you know, in the in these times. Uh, you know what Aaron Rodgers." you know, gloves would be like and turtleneck would be like in the thermal underwear and the, every, everything. So, And also that wind cream was really, really beneficial. Um, you saw that with a couple of the uh, the players on uh, the Minnesota Wild putting it on their ears and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, so uh, old Mike Caruso came to the rescue for me. He saw me freezing in the pregame show and he came whipping around there and and gave me some of that cream so that that actually really did help a lot so nose and cheekbones and and your you know and your ears and the side of your face but it, it was great though i got to tell you it was a great experience and, really phenomenal
4: and, and what a night for jordan Cairo, especially in that second period on the national stage
10: mm-hmm. yeah and you know and, and i was impressed with him too he did a couple of interviews walking off and you know i th- i thought he really took in the moment and really you could just see the you know the enthusiasm on his face, and and uh, that it wasn't just another game, and it wasn't just another moment, it wasn't just another interview. It was a, you know, it was special. It was second period, the most points ever in a in in, in one period, the most points ever in a Winter Classic game. I mean, uh, I thought he could have had two or three more. Even he was he was that good. It was uh, it was electrifying to be quite honest with you. It was uh, it was a, it was a special special. Moment for, for Jordan Cairo to, to really come out. And a lot of people are asking me the questions about Jordan Cairo. I'm like, haven't you guys watched this guy? <laughs> like, he's, he's been pretty darn good for the last year and a half. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him that he's getting some, some national notoriety.
4: And, Panger, we look at what happened to the Red Wings. We look at what happened to Chicago. It's hard to draft when you win all the time. And the Blues have done that under Doug Armstrong. To find gems like Pareco and Thomas and Cairo, that's not a usual thing, is it?
10: No, it, it's not. And there's so many people deserve credit for that. Uh, you know, Colton Pareko, that was John Davidson's brother that followed him around up in North, Al, Alberta. And, uh, you know, Billy Armstrong, I know, that's now running the Arizona Coyotes. You know, he had a big hand in, in the Jordan Kairos and the Thomases and... Uh, probably, the, you know, going back to the Jake Wallmans and, you know, Jordan Biddingtons even might even be there. So, yeah, so, uh, I mean, all in all, it's, you, you put a good staff together. Army has got a great staff, and even with guys leaving, like Lane and leaves to Columbus, then Billy Armstrong steps in seamlessly, and now you got Tony Feltron, he's there replacing Billy Armstrong, and and you hardly hear from those guys, but, boy, do they ever do a good job. And I go back to that Jordan Cairo deal, and, you know, the Blues sent, I think the Blues sent Brian Elliott at the deadline, maybe to Calgary, and uh, got a second-round pick, which is always, that's a good trade deadline deal, you know, that second-round pick. And it ended up being an early second-round pick, and, and they picked uh, the, the OHL, basically, MVP in Jordan Cairo, and, uh, and, and look what he's turned out to be.
5: Pinger, this Blues team is pretty battle-tested, whether it's dealing with so many guys out with COVID or injuries or whether it's the freezing temps or below freezing temps at the Winter Classic. It just seems like whatever obstacle is thrown their way, this is a team that can overcome it. And Randy and I were talking earlier in the show. It also seems like this team has that chemistry factor, that je ne sais quoi that you need in a championship team, where they're arriving to the Winter Classic in beachwear. And it always seems like they're having fun together. But when I watch this team and I think about everything they've already already overcome and now they're getting at full strength i wonder what they're capable of what do you think their ceiling is
10: yeah i think you know every every part of your season has a bit of a turning point and and you know you know maybe it's the winter classic uh maybe maybe that's it maybe it's the game against edmonton um i'm not sure but i think i think they're a team that they they do rally about they they rally when whenever there's something that they need camaraderie about And, and and uh um I'm not sure what it's going to be. Is it going to be everybody coming back? Is it going to be, you know, Jordan Binnington now getting on a roll? Um, but you're, you are correct. Um, you know, they are, I think, a special group. And I think they need that camaraderie. I think they've they've missed that with COVID. They weren't the same in the bubble. They weren't the same last year in a lot of times. And, and so hopefully everything stays normal so this team can stay uh, true to their hearts. And that is... Uh, going out together, having dinners together, doing these things that they do together. And and uh, and at the end, you know, never leave a man behind and battle hard together. That's kind of been their motto.
4: What did Bruce get for Christmas there?
10: You heard that. I know I, I lost my <laughs> face for a second. It's, a, it's, a, I think it was, it's actually, yeah, a little Brucey got a a, a chewy Vuitton first. Oh. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great for you, but it squeaks like crazy.
4: Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Panger, Wednesday night and uh that is not a uh a valley game so w- you won't have that one but the the penguins kind of like the blues boy they've been good for a long time and they just always pre- present a real challenge
10: yeah they do and I'm lucky enough actually I'm going to be going to I'm going to do that game for TNT so oh good um yeah happy yeah happy to do that uh um um always I mean I think it's always a really good hockey game to be honest with you whether Malkin's playing or not uh they they just always seem to, I don't know, I think it's special for the Blues players to go up. Like, you know, the, the younger players that get to play against Sidney Crosby is like, it's it's just, it's still special. It's Sidney Crosby. And he's revered in a lot of their eyes, I'm sure. And, and, and then it becomes a challenge. Like, you know, then you got, you know, the focus that you have to have. I'm almost like playing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you know, for... Colton Pareko and for Nico Mikola or maybe for Ryan O'Reilly. So you go into that building and you know that you don't want to be embarrassed so the details will get taken care of and you get ready for them and, and making, making sure that, uh, uh, that you don't allow Pittsburgh to play their game because they, you know, they can always come up and burn you. But if you look back in the history, the Blues have played real well against the Pittsburgh Penguins.
4: Hey, one last thing because you brought up his name. How sold are you on Nico Mikola as a top four guy?
10: Oh, very much so. Um, and I I actually thought he had a bit of a tough time there in in the Winter Classic. Um, But all in all, uh, I thought at the beginning of the year that that pairing would be very good, that that pairing could could go up against the other team's best, and I think it it has. So how sold am I? I'm I'm sold on him being a top-four defenseman, yes. All right.
4: Panger, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. Happy New Year, and we will be tuned in tomorrow night.
10: Okay, sounds good, guys. Take care. Have
4: a good one. You too. That is Darren Pang, Blues Analyst on Bally Sports, and tomorrow night on TNT as well, the Blues on TNT.
5: And also Bruce with the Chewy Vuitton.
4: I like that toy. I've never seen that one. of you? No,
5: I haven't, but that's so hilarious. You
4: got a Chewy Vuitton for Christmas. Coming up next, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the
1: character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on character and small men.
5: It's Kara Smallman on this Tuesday morning here on 101 ESPN, and it's time for the first fight of 2022. Randy's first challenger in the new year is Aaron, who is with us. Good morning, Aaron. How are you?
8: Good. How are you guys doing?
5: We're doing thanks. How was your New Year's?
4: Uh, well, it wasn't too bad.
5: Low-key, I'm assuming? Pretty much, yeah. That's okay. I think low-key New Year's are awesome. Awesome. All right, Aaron. Well, are you ready to take on Randy in our very first fight of 2022? I am all right. Well, good luck to you. Here we go. Question number one. The Blues are now 2-0 and in the Winter Classic. What NHL team holds the record for most wins in outdoor games? Is it the Capitals, the Rangers
3: or the Bruins?
10: Uh, I'm
4: say the Capitals.
3: All right, Aaron, question number two. In 2019, Antonio Brown played in one game with the Patriots and caught a touchdown from Tom Brady in a 43 to nothing win against what team? The Dolphins, the Jets, or the Bengals?
4: I'll say the Dolphins.
5: Question number three for Aaron. Tua Tungabailoa replaced Jalen Hurts in the 2018 College Football Playoff National Championship and proceeded to throw the game-winning touchdown in overtime versus Georgia to what Alabama receiver? Was it Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, or Calvin Ridley?
4: Let's
3: go, Ridley. All right, last question. What nickname did Tim Robbins' character call himself in Bull Durham? Was it Rocket Ace or Nuke? Nuke.
5: All right. Checking our score. Waving in Randy, who's waiting with his hands behind his back. Randy, you kind of look like an usher while you were standing out there, which I appreciate. Um, as you get your headset on, please say good morning to your first challenger in twenty twenty two. It's Aaron.
4: Hey Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How you doing? Good. How are you doing, Randy? Doing well, thanks.
5: You were standing out there very seriously.
4: I was talking to Mike Ryder. We are just kind of
3: going over stuff.
5: Nice. He had his
3: hands behind his back? Yeah, he did. That's like the power stance. It is. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize I did that.
5: I thought the power stance was when you you make yourself as big as possible. You know, before um, a big meeting or something, you're Uh supposed to go in a bathroom stall and make yourself really big.
3: Right, yeah.
5: Take up space.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that. You know what that (laughs) is? That's the hands behind the back is the... I'm in a store with my wife and she's buying a bunch of stuff and I'm just walking around <laughs> yep, behind her. Yep, that's totally
5: it, right. Yep. And I'm putting my hands behind my back so I don't say anything or snatch the credit card from her? Yeah. All right. Mm. I'm unfamiliar with that stance. Eh,
4: just have the phone. Just you know, just ignore what's going on and be on the phone.
5: That's right. That's right. Don't say a word. All right, Randy, are you ready to go? Ready. Question number one. The Blues are now 2-0 and in the Winter Classic. What NHL team holds the record for most wins in outdoor games?
4: Chicago Blackhawks seem like a logical choice here since they played in the most, so I will go with them.
3: Randy, in 2019, Antonio Brown played in one game with the Patriots and caught a touchdown from Tom Brady in a 43 to nothing win against what team?
4: Oh, who was that? Let's see. (laughs) No, I actually picked him up for my fantasy team, so I had him. You did? Yeah. Do you remember that? Well, I remember the touchdown that he scored for the Patriots. Yeah, but wow. i, I I'm trying to think of who it was against. I
5: can't even remember to set my lineup in our pick challenge here.
4: Well, that, that's right. We still got that going, don't we? I don't um, think
5: I made my picks last week.
4: <laughs> I will, uh, I'll do the lifeline here because I think I'll be able to get it when I get the lifeline.
3: We have the Dolphins, the Jets, or the Bengals. I thought it was a division game.
4: And... For some reason, I thought it was Miami, so I'll go with Miami.
5: Question number three.
4: Free being our Dolphins.
5: Correct. Now they're our Dolphins. Yeah. Tuatunga-Vailoa, speaking of our Dolphins, Mm -hmm. replaced Jalen Hurts in the 2018 College Football Playoff National Championship and proceeded to throw the game-winning touchdown in overtime versus Georgia to what Alabama receiver?
4: Game-winner, overtime... Okay, um, was it, it was was into the corner, and it wasn't Waddle. I'm thinking it was Jerry Judy.
3: All right, Randy, number six,
4: whoever number six was at that time.
3: You ready for question number four? Ready. All right. What nickname did Tim Robbins' character call himself in Bull Durham? Okay, Nuke Lelouch. Um
4: I'm gonna I'm gonna be bummed out because I don't
3: remember. You mean to re re say the question? Yeah. What nickname did Tim, Tim Robbins, Robbins' character call himself in Bull Durham? What nickname did he call himself? in Bull Durham
4: so his his name was Nuke Lelouch right so I'll just go with Nuke.
5: okay we have a tie between Aaron and Randy although there is some controversy on question number three just saying which we'll discuss at mm-hmm. the end because Randy said one name and then said a number and the name was wrong but the number was
4: correct Oh so no! I I thought it was Jerry Judy.
5: Okay, okay. So Aaron, you are headed to the tiebreaker round versus Randy. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question.
4: I'm such an idiot. What? It Go was Smith. Yes,
5: it was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, such an idiot. It's okay. I I. Googled it just to make sure, and I was like, he knows who it is. But anyway, so I'm going to read the tiebreaker question, Aaron. Randy's going to write down his answer on a sheet of paper. We're going to give you first crack at it. You're going to give it about, you're going to get, excuse me, about 10 seconds to give us your answer. Then we're going to reveal what Randy wrote down on his post it here. First to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Aaron, are you ready? I'm ready. Randy, are you ready? Ready. All right, guys, here's your tiebreaker question. Tamu Solani holds the record for most goals scored in a single season by a rookie in NHL history. How many goals did he have in his rookie campaign? Randy has shown me his answer. Oh, Randy, hold that up again. Okay. Yep. Thank you, Aaron. Whenever you're ready.
4: Uh, I'm going to go with 41.
5: Aaron goes with 41. Randy, your answer is 76. Did Randy start off the new year with a victory or did Aaron make him really angry for the rest of the show and to ring the bell?
8: Just win, baby.
5: Aaron, I'm sorry. came down to the tiebreaker question, but Randy got it correct. Randy knew the tiebreaker answer, so I'm sorry he beat you today.
2: That happens. Thank you, guys.
5: You got it, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Good showing. Happy New Year. Randy, I always cheer for the listener, but I was kind of cheering for you today because after the question number three mishap, I knew you'd be angry the rest of the show if you lost this fight. All right. So here are our answers. The NHL team the NHL team that holds the record for most wins and outdoor games is the Rangers, 4-0. Wow. Yep. They won in 2012 in the Winter Classic, in 14, twice in this uh, stadium series, and in 2018 at uh, the Winter Classic at City Field. Hmm. Antonio Brown played in one game in 2019 with the Patriots. He caught a touchdown from TB12 in a 43 to nothing win against the Miami Dolphins. Tua replaced Jalen Hurts in the 2018 national championship game in OT versus Georgia. He threw the game winning touchdown to Devontae Smith, as Randy self corrected (laughs) later. And Tim Robbins character called himself Nuke in Bull Durham which brings him to the brings us to the tiebreaker question Tame Musilani holds the record for most goals scored in a single season by a rookie in NHL history Aaron guessed 41 Randy guessed 76 which was in fact the correct answer at 76
4: did he really guess then
5: no he knew he provided us with the correct answer (laughs) (laughs) you didn't guess good job Randy
4: thanks and uh, (laughs) thanks to Aaron for joining us here on the first the very first fight of 2022. By the way, Randy, Abby Calvin Nuke Lelouch. Oh, okay. That's the full so, name. I didn't know that was a self-proclaimed nickname. I thought that was just his nickname.
3: So I'm glad that, that, that I got it right. Nuke. It does make sense that his character and the way his character is, that would be a self-proclaimed nickname. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah.
5: Do you have a self-proclaimed nickname?
4: Aim, aim for the mascot. You're um, a,
5: you're the fight champion. If you want to give yourself a nickname like LeBron gave himself King, go for it.
4: I haven't really thought about it. I'm not going to go with King.
5: Playoff P, like um, <laughs> the fight R or something.
4: Pandemic P. <laughs> <laughs> pandemic P. You don't live that one down, do you?
5: You know, if you're going to call yourself Playoff P, you better deliver.
4: Yeah, I would say so. Just saying. But he just couldn't do it. And uh, is there? a more demeaning nickname in all of sports than street clothes
5: we have talked about that that is brutal that street yeah. clothes is the most disrespectful <laughs> dismissive <laughs> and awful nickname
4: and that's anthony davis because he is
5: who gave him that charles barkley yeah oh man that and it's not even that mean it's just so accurate it's true right but that's it's the problem. so brutal
3: yeah <laughs> poor guy we'll have to have the text line text in and tell us what they think your nickname should be. <laughs> yeah, what should Randy's
5: nickname be in the fight? I don't know if I
3: want to see this.
5: If you're going to be the undisputed king of Morning Drive, you need a nickname.
4: Okay, we'll see. Hey, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Jordan Kyrou, the NHL's first star of the week with a record setting performance at the Winter Classic in Minnesota. Jordan Cairo coming up in about six minutes on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Kerker Smallman on 101 ESPN and Jordan Kyrou named the first star in the National Hockey League last week. Three goals, four assists for seven points in two games, highlighted by that record two goals, two assists, four points in the Winter Classic on Saturday night. And the Blues moved into the first place in the Central Division with the two wins that Kyrou keyed. He was a key in the victory over the Edmonton Oilers as well last week. And so... The 23-year-old has played in 29 games, second in goals on the Blues, Michelle, with 12. He is sitting there with 20 assists 32 points and they're just shy of career high he set in 55 games last year in his first full season in the nhl
5: the kid is electric he's an absolute star and it's great to see him get some love on the national stage we had talked about the fact that jordan Cairo is capable of being somebody that all fans in the nhl are aware of that he's capable of being a national star and it was great to see him get that love and have a performance like that at the winter classic
4: yeah and he's just got such impressive talent doesn't he uh. he he can play with anybody in this league. And to me, uh, he he shouldn't hit a wall because of the way he plays, his his style of play, but his speed, his skill, he's a superb player and has a chance to be a a great, great player in this league. And Jordan Kyrou joins us now on 101 ESPN via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jordan with Michelle Smallman, this is Randy Carricker. Thanks for joining us and happy new year.
11: How's it going? Happy here. Thanks for having me. Well, we're we're
4: thrilled to have you. And uh, we asked Darren Pang earlier. Have you thought out after Saturday night yet? Are are, are you getting a little bit warmer?
11: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm all I'm all closing up now. But um, I was definitely I was definitely cold the whole night. So.
5: Well, Jordan, it probably felt warm having all your gear on out on the ice after you guys had arrived in sub-zero temps and beach wear. I know that you guys talked about the decision to wear the beach wear, how it was lumberjacks versus the beach wear before you got there. But once you decided that that was going to be the look, where did you draw inspiration from for your game day fit? We love the Tyler Hero jersey.
11: Um, actually, my, my brother, when I went home for Christmas, he gave me that jersey and Obviously, like I like the Miami Heat and I like Tyler Hero a lot, so I decided to wear it, and it kind of matched my my bathing suit that I had and and my hat that I had. So.
4: And how did you handle that part of it? Wearing the the short sleeves, wearing the shorts into the rink. I, I know it's only a few minutes, but man, it must have been brutally cold.
11: Yeah, it was, it was really cold, but a good thing the walk was only like 15 or 20 seconds. Otherwise, I don't know if people don't be able to make it.
5: For sure. Well, once you got onto the ice, what was the ice condition like at the Winter Classic? Obviously, you had to deal with the cold, but as far as the puck and the ice conditions, what kind of adjustments did you need to make once you got out there?
11: I thought the ice was actually really good to start. Like the first the first probably five minutes of each period was unreal. And then it started to get like really chippy and choppy, so you kind of had to slow the game down a little bit and play play a little more simple.
4: And you mentioned slowing things down, and that means you kind of have to pick your spots. Your passes have to be short, right? You can't try to make those long passes when the ice gets like that.
11: Yeah, exactly. You just got to try to play a little more simple and try to let let the other other team uh, make the mistakes, and you got to capitalize on their mistakes.
5: Well, Jordan, you had a historic performance in the Winter Classic, and it was from in front of a national audience. And obviously, everyone in the NHL is talking about you right now. And what does it mean to you, know, to know that people across the country who don't normally get to see Blues games were watching you, and now that they're aware of what you're capable of?
11: Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Obviously, obviously, anytime you get to play in a Winter Classic, that's just like a dream come true, right? You know, you watch that game growing up as a kid, so you know I'm just happy I got to got to experience that, and yeah, it was unbelievable. I thought it
4: was so cool that you and Robert Thomas had the opportunity to reenact the photo that you'd done with Team Canada, and it was exactly the same. Was that planned? Did you guys plan on getting together and doing that photo again?
11: Yeah, Pinky, our uh, our media guy, he uh, came up to us and was like, "Hey, like let's let's reshoot this shot that you guys did at the World Juniors," and and so me and Tom are trying to do like the same pose that we did. And yeah it was, yeah it was a pretty cool shot actually
4: how much easier is it for you uh, and you can play with anybody that's obvious but you've played with him for such a long time how much does that make the game easier for you
11: yeah I mean Robbie's an unbelievable player and you know I think obviously our chemistry off the ice definitely helps with our i mean our friendship off the ice definitely helps with our chemistry on the ice so Yeah, I know we're always really comfortable playing with each other. You know, we can always talk to each other about, like, anything. You know, even if one of us messes up, it's, like, it's not really criticizing the other one. It's more just, like, giving us some advice, and, you know, we can both take it. So, yeah, it's been awesome.
5: Well, that line between you, Robert Thomas, and Vladimir Tarasenko has obviously been super productive. You just talked about your relationship with Robert Thomas. But what is it about the three of you that's really been clicking?
11: I think for us it's mostly just, um, you know, our play without the puck. I think – I think the, the fact that all three of us are just always on the puck, you know, we're always four-checking and you know, we're all unselfish with each other, and I think that's what makes our game quick, and that's when we start capitalizing on our chances.
4: Blues forward, Jordan Kairou, the NHL's first star of the week, is with us on 101 ESPN. Do you guys pay attention to that when somebody f- comes up and says, hey, your first star of the week, is that something that you take a great deal of pride in, or is that just, oh, eh, cool, thanks, but I- I'm moving on?
11: I mean, obviously, like when I first heard it, was like, oh wow, it's like it's pretty cool. But you know, obviously now it's like, it's like nothing really. You know, it's just like one little thing. And know, obviously our main goal is is the team and and what we want to accomplish. So you know, we've done a good job these past couple of games. We just need to keep it going.
4: And now you've got everybody back. How much of a different feeling is that? You you had such great work from that Springfield group that came up, but now you've got your opening night night lineup available.
11: Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, hold on a Can you Can you close it? Sorry, I was just in the car. Um, no problem. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely cool. I mean, obviously, we had that little break, right? And and uh, I think that helped a lot of guys, like you know, with their injuries and, and to try to come back stronger. And you know, now that we got our whole lineup in, it's uh, it's been great. And you know, I think all everything's clicking on all all cylinders right now. So.
5: Yeah Jordan it seems like this team has really good chemistry and I know last year there were still a lot of COVID protocols in place and you probably weren't able to get together in the manner in which you wanted to so what's that been like this season from a bonding standpoint to be able to hang out with your teammates?
11: Um, Yeah it's definitely been more fun I mean I think on the road it's been a lot easier too you know a lot of guys like to go out for dinner the night before you know just just go out and do something so last year we're unable to do that and and this year, it's a lot easier. You know, you can finally go out and, and do stuff with, with guys who maybe weren't on the team last year and get to know them a little bit better. So, yeah, it's been great.
4: Hey, Jordan, one more thing from me, because it is great that you guys can get out and do stuff. But last year, you were like a Fortnite star, uh, you and uh, and Robert and, and Vince Dunn. Are you still able to get time to play Fortnite?
11: Um, yeah, I, I still play. I don't think I play as much as I did last year, because obviously, you know, only thing we could really do last year was play play video games because we were kind of stuck in our hotel. But I, I've been playing a little bit of Fortnite and Call of Duty this year. So,
4: how good are you at, at Call of Duty? We know you're great at Fortnite. Call of Duty, yeah. are you
11: at the same level? Oh, I'm still better than Robert Thomas at, at Call <laughs> of So.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask him about that um, Jordan in researching you for this interview I went to your Instagram and everyone should follow you at Jordan Cairo and I can't let, let you off the phone without asking you about your Halloween costume you were the island boys and it yeah. was scary accurate how much you looked like them how long did it take you to put that together
11: uh, actually neither came up with that idea it was a pretty funny concept at the time uh, it took honestly I think the hair was obviously the hardest part we had to, like, t- like, we got, like, this long wig, and then we had to, like, cut cut certain parts off, and then I had to, like, twist it together and, like, use, like, this hairspray. I don't know, it, took, it took a couple hours, that's for sure, but it was all worth it in the end. Yeah, it
5: looks great. Yeah.
4: Hey, and you are so much fun to have on the team and so much fun to watch play. Congratulations on the way things are going. Keep it up, and hopefully we'll be able to do this again soon. They're awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jordan. Jordan Kyrou, Blues Forward, with us on 101 ESPN. And as you said, Michelle, one of the emerging stars in the league.
5: Absolutely. And it, listening to him talk about his teammates, it sounds like this team is having a lot of fun together.
4: And that's part of winning a Stanley Cup, isn't it? Didn't we learn that? We did. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, what has Rob Manfred actually done to benefit baseball? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Wexos HD1 East St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Get your breakfast raw every morning. It's Cariker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101
4: ESPN. 903 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. If you missed any portion of the show, check out our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Glad to have Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers presenting our podcasts at 101espn.com. Rob Manfred, yesterday it was revealed. Has fired Ken Rosenthal from NFL Network because of an article Rosenthal wrote in the summer of 2020 w- in which he was critical of the commissioner, Rob Manfred, for not doing everything he could, it seemingly, to make sure that baseball returned during the course of the pandemic. I didn't realize this, Michelle, but Rosenthal was kept off the air for around three months after he wrote the column in 2020. And he analyzed Manfred's handling of the situation and wasn't kind and shouldn't have been kind because Manfred didn't do a good job. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to analyze the job that Rob Manfred has done, unless you are an owner and you are seeing the revenues generated by his TV deals, the product isn't nearly as good as it was prior to to him being the commissioner, he did call the commissioner's trophy. He's the commissioner, and he called the commissioner's trophy a hunk of metal. I don't know how you say Rob Manfred has done a good job.
5: Especially during that time when the only thing that anybody in sports talk whether it was on television or on radio was talking about as it pertains to baseball were the issues that it was having. How do you expect people who are supposed to be journalists even if they're employed by MLB Network to not if you're giving a fair and impartial opinion you're going to be critical of the situation because the way that it was handled deserved to be criticized. So how do you expect people that you employ to be journalists if they're not going to speak the truth
4: and that to me is a real problem for mlb network and our friend greg amsinger and everybody there because now people are going to be walking on eggshells now fortunately for ken rosenthal he has two other jobs working for fox which will be interesting because he's going to be on the showcase telecasts for major league baseball with joe buck and john smoltz And he also works for The Athletic. But if you're Greg, if you're Dan Plesak, if you're Harold Reynolds, and something about the commissioner comes up and you don't act in a completely rosy, sunshine, lollipops manner, then there's a chance that you could be fired. It's tough for a commissioner of a sport to also be in charge of a network. But you better be ready. To take some slings and arrows because not everything is sunshine lollipops in sports and you are the face of a league Gary Bettman gets booed at every opportunity last night the first thing that Peyton Manning and Eli Manning did with Roger Goodell was brought in booing sound <laughs> right. you have to be ready to take some slings and arrows if you're in that position even if it happens to be from your own employees
5: and a couple a couple other things here for me. Number 1, if you don't like the criticism that's being levied your way, do you really think by getting rid of one of the most revered journalists in all of baseball that that's going to stop it? If anything, that's going to amplify it. Now everyone is going to know how thin-skinned you are, mm-hmm. and everyone is, is going to have another reason to criticize you. So it's very counterproductive if the end result for you is to not get criticized, is to do something like this. And the other thing here is with all of the issues that baseball has going on, this is such a bad look for Rob Manfred. To care this much, and to go to this many lengths to have criticism about him be be pushed down by someone like Ken Rosenthal. You mean to tell me that of the 10,000 things on your to-do list that somehow this got pushed to the top.
4: Well, and especially Michelle, when he's the guy that announced the lockout, when Rob Manfred is the guy that took has taken baseball away from us. And the most important thing on his menu or one of the things on his checklist is to oh, Fire the guy that was critical of me. That is is a really weak move on the part of Manfred. And by the way, you mentioned how revered Ken Rosenthal is. I guarantee you there are a lot of people in baseball, whether it's in that baseball front office or that work for teams that like Ken Rosenthal more than they like Rob Manfred. And Mm -hmm. Rosenthal is going to wind up with material in the athletic that he never would have gotten had he gotten fired, had he not gotten fired.
5: Especially after this fight continues to rage on and more feelings get hurt. There's no way that people aren't going to be upset about how these negotiations are handled and aren't going to be feeding Ken Rosenthal info, info on Rob Manfred.
4: Yeah, you're a Major League Baseball employee of a team and you're not being paid because of Rob Manfred's lockout. And you have Ken Rosenthal's number. What do you think is going to happen?
5: The thing that bothers me, a lot of things bother me about this, but the thing that I think is just so incredibly ridiculous about this is that you don't renew his contract, that you let him go. After you gave him a month's long suspension, which I think is ridiculous Mm -hmm. in in itself, he shouldn't have been suspended for being critical of the commissioner or the commissioner's actions. But... You don't think that the suspension for months is enough punishment that you're going to go ahead and make sure that he's not working for MLB Network anymore? And it's not as if you're ending his career by doing that, which is what you brought up. He's still working for Fox. He's still working for the Athletics. So if if anything, you're just positioning him to have more of a voice with these other entities. And you're making your product that you're in charge of worse.
4: Right, totally. By getting
5: rid of an incredible journalist in Ken Rosenthal.
4: And when I read the story and I reread it last night, I didn't think that the criticism of of Manfred was that harsh.
5: No, it wasn't personal.
4: No, it wasn't. It was essentially what it was, was he needs to do a better job of saving the game that we all love.
5: And you know what? If I'm Rob Manfred or this is what he should have done, I should have taken that and internalized it and said, you know what? There's some truth here. And Mm -hmm. what can we do to make this better? If someone like Ken Rosenthal is saying that what we're doing isn't beneficial for the game that I'm in charge of and the game that clearly Ken Rosenthal has dedicated his life to, Mm -hmm. what can we do to make this better? Maybe not shut it down.
4: (laughs) Yeah, right. Now, if you're the mothership, And I know that they don't care about baseball that much, but ESPN seems to be making more of an effort with baseball. Obviously they've got a great insider in Jeff Passan, but they're showing more games. They've invested in playoffs now. I I guess Fox wouldn't want him to go to ESPN, Mm -hmm. but it seems to me that there would be another outlet for Ken Rosenthal if somebody like, like TNT, TNT is also making an investment. If he's on TNT and Fox, that's uh, Alex Rodriguez does both, doesn't he? They've they've got multiple guys that work for both networks. So if you're TNT, you you put him on as your insider on your pregame show, too.
5: I would imagine that Ken Rosenthal's agent has gotten a lot of phone calls in the past 24 hours. I would
4: think so. Somebody actually suggested to us that uh, we make the phone call to Ken Rosenthal to join us on Carriker Smallman and Rosenthal.
5: That'd be great. we have an empty seat between us? Yep. He can join us anytime. Ken Rosenthal, the seat is yours if you want it.
4: Kenny, we'd love to have you. We'd be honored to have you.
5: We think you do great work. Exceptional work.
4: character and Smallman Insider, Ken Rosenthal, joining us. That'd be perfect. That'd be fantastic. So, okay, I want you to uh, go Sunshine Lollipops for me. Okay, okay. And I'll give you mine. All right. The most positive thing that Rob Manfred has done as commissioner of baseball.
5: Oof. I will say this. I thought the sticky stuff was going to blow into a huge season-long saga. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was going to be something that we were going to be so worn down by and that we were going to have to hear about every single game. And what baseball did to stop that in its tracks and really make it go away and disappear pretty quickly, I will give them credit for that.
4: Good answer. I'm going to go with the pitch the, the uh, between innings clocks. They need to get the pitch clock going, but the between innings clocks has benefited baseball too. But they need more clocks. They need more adherence to their rules. I didn't even realize until I read the rule book this offseason that there was already in the rule book a 15 second limit between pitches. Just enforce your rules. Why
5: don't hard. they enforce the rules? The strike zone it's that's bizarre. in the book, I just don't understand it.
4: Yeah, I, I don't get it either. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Next up. The voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, on your home of the blues, 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues Booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home. With locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com.
4: with the voice of the blues chris kerber on mondays but yesterday we were taking off for your and our uh, new year's holiday so we're getting we get a chance to talk to kerbs on tuesday he's on the brown and croupon celebrity line right now good morning sir how you doing guys i'm doing great how are you today everything is terrific are you all fought out after being in minnesota for the winter classic
2: I am. Well, what a, what a great experience. It was awesome. Uh, we actually, we were originally supposed to broadcast right down near the ice, but we ended up uh, moving inside. Uh, it was a great call by the league. The league called me up and these guys are so good. How they do They say, Hey, we're really concerned about whether or not we're going to get some of that equipment to work down there. I said, equipment, what about the humans? <laughs> so <if> we, uh, <laughs> it actually, we ended up with a great spot just inside that Delta club area, target field. It was, it was perfect. It, it was, it was, great view of the ice and we were we were saved from the elements
5: well curbs the radio product sounded amazing it looks spectacular on tv can you take us behind the scenes though what's something that you saw at the winter classic that you don't think maybe the average fan got to experience from the broadcast
2: uh you know what The, the the fans there were just amazing blues fans and minnesota fans alike you really wondered especially if you followed some of the secondary market if you were going to see many empty seats and, and you really didn't see many empty seats and, and not only that but i mean they were dancing in the stands having a great time going in and out all night long i mean honestly you, you would have thought it was just a you know a 45 degree day uh, except for people were just a little thicker with snow suits on i mean that was it it was it was really something really cool it was one of those kind of things you know, I know there, there are those that say, hey, there's no way I'd ever go see something like that if it's going to be that cold. Well, you'd miss out something really special because it if you were there or you were part of it, man, it was like camaraderie with people that were willing to brave the cold because they couldn't wait to see that game. And it was, it was pretty awesome to see.
4: And it was pretty awesome to see how the Blues took charge. Obviously, the one we saw here, the Blues were able to take charge in the third period. But to win under those circumstances... In that team's building, the way the Blues won, that was an impressive victory.
2: I kind of, I honest to God, Randy, when, when we're sitting on the bus waiting to go from the uh, hotel to the rink, and I started seeing the guys come walking out in beach gear, <laughs> and, and Marco Scandella comes out with a shirt completely open and a cooler with the top of a pineapple in it, I'm like, all right, Minnesota's going to have a hard time winning this game. And, and, and look, I, I mean, just, just from a pure hockey standpoint, I know Minnesota is a good team, and, and they because they play as a team, and we saw we've seen over the last few years what playing as a team means. But what we've also seen the Blues do recently is play as a team, and and also the Blues are deeper. I mean, they're just a deeper team. So you, you, the fact that they just played a very simple game, put it into the corners, go at it, um, eventually led to success. I, the Blues were built to win that game against Minnesota. To be honest with you.
5: And it curbs a big night for Jordan Cairo, a historic night for Jordan Cairo. And it was great to see him be on that national stage and get a national audience, a sense of what Jordan Cairo is capable of. Randy and Andrew and I were talking about this in the break, and I want you to fill in the blank for us. Jordan Cairo is the most exciting young talent the Blues have had since blank. We don't know if it's Tarasenko, if it's Oshie, but when's the last time you were this excited about a young talent that the Blues had?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean... Simply put, I think you'd have to look at at, at Tarasenko, Oshie, Senko, and, Oshi, and even and even Schwartz uh, for that matter. But I, I think, from a playmaking standpoint, I, I was trying to I was trying to just kind of put this into perspective, and, and I'm not sure. Man, with his vision and his ability to do it at the speed at, at the speed he does, and like even in that game, the, the patience that he had to make a couple of those passes. You know, very different player, but it just reminded me of Pierre Turgeon setting up Scotty Young. You know, some some of those uh, plays back in the early 2000s when Scotty Young was a was a 40 goal scorer for this team. Um, I, I think he has the chance to be that first uh, 80 point player the Blues have had since Pavel Dimitra scored 93. So I maybe maybe the most exciting offensive player all around with the speed he could put on there since we since Pavel Dimitra.
4: And Curbs, now we get a chance to see him at home after the game against Pittsburgh on Wednesday night. The Blues will start a five-game homestand. They've been excellent on home ice so far this year. And nobody's losing here. You see Nashville, and nobody expected Nashville to be where they are. Minnesota's going to be good. Colorado is going to be there at the end. So the Blues are in a position where you just can't give up games. You've got to get points out of pretty much every game.
2: Yeah, no, nobody's in a position, and that's one of the real grinds of the National Hockey League.
4: That's one of the real grinds right now of,
2: of the National Hockey League, guys, is, is that if you lose a couple in a row, you feel like the whole world's coming down. Yeah. It's the mental pressure as much as anything else. And yeah, so I, listen, they, they put themselves in a good spot. I think the way you have to look at the standings is you've got to look at where that number two wild card spot is. And right now, you know, the person sitting, I forget the team sitting out of it, but uh, whether it be, uh, I think, uh, well, Winnipeg is what, seven points out, eight points out. It, it's that type of thing that you have to look at because you could easily look with the games in hand for Colorado because, remember, if they get somebody hurt, they never have to play a game. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you look at where Colorado is in the standings and, and the games in hand and you look at Dallas and the games in hand there, you know, this thing's going to close up a little bit if if those teams win those games in hand. And so you could easily go from, say, first or second in the division to the second wild card. So to me, you have to look at how far you are ahead of the teams outside of the wild card right now, and that gives you a little more comfort. I think, honestly, Randy, I think the Blues have done about as well as could be expected and as well as they could have done right now. And that stat that I gave you guys a couple weeks ago, it still rings true. It's crazy. 34 games played, and you have... Every single one of the games, all of them at some point in time have been a one-goal game in the third period is the easy way to look at that. Or they've had the leader been tied in 31 of the 34. I mean, it's they have been in every single game, no matter if it's been a 4-3 kind of game or a 2-1 kind of game. It's, it's a phenomenal net, uh, stat that just shows you how competitive this team is.
5: That it is an incredible stat, Curbs. It really is. And I want to give you credit for something else, too, because um, in the offseason when we were talking about Vladimir Tarasenko, you, I remember, kept telling us, I think he's going to play for the Blues, and he's going to be productive, and everything's going to be fine. And you were incredibly correct. And not only has Vlad- Vladdy been great on the ice, but it just seems like he's really enjoying himself and enjoying playing with his teammates. He's embracing the Blues fans like he always did. He's taking selfies on the ice at the Winter Classic. You would have never known that the offseason drama existed the way that it did with with the way vladimir tarasenko has been playing and contributing to this team
2: you know the one thing we never really knew though and and to to be honest with you i haven't had a conversation with him uh to be able to ask this but you know the, the one thing that we still don't know and didn't know then is aside from some of the medical stuff that he brought up okay what what is what was really behind it now i'm sure doug armstrong may have known and and, and that kind of thing but um, you know, the, the public didn't know. We, we don't really know what's going on in, in a player's head and all that. You just look at what's happening right now. The team handled it well at the beginning. He handled it well at the beginning. The players understand, look, that, that kind of stuff happens. They they don't care. They just want to play hockey and, and and be out there. And then the fact that Pavel Butchnevich has come in and done what he's done, the fact that Ivan Barbashev has been his, a key contributor. Clem Costin's up here. Vladimir told us in an interview a couple of weeks ago that it's been great that for the first time in his career there's some other Russians to to play with uh like this and 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 at this level and and I think that's made a really big difference for him now you put that along with the fact that this team is winning that this team is playing well and I don't know that there's another team he could go to where he could play with countrymen like he's playing and and I don't think that there's a chance to win and put those combinations together so I don't know where the situation is, how much it's calmed down, what, what the request or stuff still might be, but it does look like he's enjoying himself and having fun, and good for him. Listen, you, you miss that much time and have to deal with three surgeries over two and a half years. Man, that, that is that is so difficult for any person, much less an athlete who's used to going out there and doing what they want to do, so I think it's a positive. So far, it's ringing out like we, we thought it might. We'll see if it still plays out that way, but You know, with this year and next year left on that contract, it still just made sense from all aspects of it that uh, he'd be with this team for at least the majority of this year, if not all of it.
4: Curbs, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Have a great week. Thanks. See you later. That is Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
8: You're killing me, Smalls.
1: You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
4: It is time for...
5: Rainey, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the New York Jets 28-24 at MetLife Stadium over the weekend. But that is not the headline. When you Google Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there's nothing about the victory that's coming up. Everything is about Antonio Brown. If you were watching that game, you saw Antonio Brown in uh, a heated argument with some of his teammates on the sideline. And then you're kind of squinting your eyes. You're like, wait, what's going on? What is he doing? And what he was doing is taking off his gear his jersey and then ultimately his shirt running off of the field running in the end zone firing up the crowd before ultimately leaving down into the tunnel he actually left the stadium was spotted waiting for a ride and ultimately left and ended up getting picked up by a celebrity driver and he was spotted last night at courtside at a basketball game but a lot of people were wondering what actually went down on the sidelines to cause Antonio Brown to do that to quit in the manner in which he did Ian
7: Rappaport of NFL Network had the report Antonio Brown did not believe that he was healthy. He had been battling an ankle injury for the last several weeks, did not practice Thursday, did not practice Friday, and I know personally had some doubts whether or not he would be able to be out there and play. What he told the staff, from what I understand, is that he was not going into the game because in his mind he did not feel he was healthy. The response then from the offensive coaches and from Bruce Arians was, If you are not going to go into the game, when we tell you to go into the game, then you cannot be here. At that point, they threw him off the sidelines and then cut him from the team. So Antonio Brown, which Bruce Arians announced at the post-game press conference, he is no longer part of the team. They essentially told him that on the sideline, send him packing, leading Antonio Brown with a million dollars incentive right within his reach. He was going to get it. Uh, He left all of that left the field, and now is no longer a member of the Buccaneers.
4: All due respect to Ian Rappaport, I don't buy a bit of it. I, I don't think that, especially with Chris Godwin hurt, that an NFL coaching staff would randomly say to a talented player, when he said, I'm too hurt to play, then you, you're you cut. It just doesn't work that way. And there are some guy, some guys that you might think of doing that with but look at all the trouble they put into keeping this guy on their team great point why would they kick him off the team when he says hey i'd love to go in and play but i can't i'm too hurt to play
5: i would imagine that they had discussed this with the medical staff there's it just seems very unlikely that there isn't more to this story from Mm -hmm. the buccaneer side of things the the coaching staff side of things that we're not getting and If we're looking at track records here, I'm going to choose to believe their side of the story over Antonio Brown's.
4: You can't have any faith in Antonio Brown's track record. And it might seem unfair, but a guy who said he was going to pay his bills and didn't, a guy who said that he didn't do certain things, but then paid off people and actually called and threatened people to say, to tell them, no, I didn't do it. He's a hard guy to trust.
5: I would say so. And... The way that he left the field, the dramatics, and then everything that's happened since then, I don't know how that's going to look to another potential NFL suitor. He's on social media with this guy, Danny Chalet, who's a a chauffeur for athletes in New York. That guy, the chauffeur, is on part of my take. Then you see A.B. sitting courtside at a Nets game looking completely unbothered by the fact that he Mm -hmm. just quit his job. But Ryan Clark, who obviously knows the Pittsburgh Steelers very well, having played there, won a Super Bowl there, Antonio Brown's former employer was asked on ESPN if he thinks that another NFL team is going to take a chance on Antonio Brown. And here's what Ryan Clark had to say.
0: Yeah. Antonio Brown has quit on teams. Antonio Brown has quit on players On quit on people. Antonio Brown has never quit on himself. And yesterday, he quit on himself. And obviously, I'm not going to play Monday morning therapist and say that I think that there are certain things going on with him. Or we don't know what type of tragedy or what type of trauma from his childhood is now showing up but yesterday he took everything away from himself yesterday he sealed it that that will be the last football game he will ever play in the NFL you used to be able to say that no matter what we know that he will compete he no longer will do that we used to be able to say that no matter what he won't quit on himself or a football team on game day and we can no longer say that Antonio Brown is now holistically inconsistent as a human mm. you don't want inconsistent humans in your locker room you don't want inconsistent players on your team and you don't want a teammate that you cannot count on
5: I don't know how you say it any better than what Ryan Clark just said
4: right especially the part that he did he he gave up his opportunity to be an NFL player because at the core of being an NFL player is you have to go out there and compete a lot of guys do it even when they are hurt regardless of whether he was hurt or not the way that he left the team is not something that other players are going to accept heck Randy Moss walking off the field at the end of a game with like 10 seconds left got him out of Minnesota so I don't know how Antonio Brown leaving in what the second quarter uh, and doing it in the style that he did I don't know how he, he would be accepted by other players again
5: If you were a team and you were desperate for help and you knew Antonio Brown had talent and he was available, a lot of times if it's a player who's had issues in the past, what do you do? You call people that have worked with them to say, is this someone that we should take a flyer on? If your call list includes Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, Bruce Arians, and Tom Brady, those are the four (laughs) people that are going to say, we tried and it didn't really work out for us. What makes you think it's going to be any different for you?
4: Yeah, it's not. You're exactly right. It's not the the only. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. For those that didn't hear it, the only situation that he could probably find himself in, possibly find himself in, not even probably, is if Jerry Jones goes over the head of his coach for talent, and he's done it before. He's signed the Pac Man Joneses of the world and brought in Greg Hardy, Greg Hardy, people like that. So he's done it before. And he lost a wide receiver in Michael Gallup. But that's the only scenario that I would see unfolding.
5: And I don't even need, Jerry doesn't care, but I wonder if he's even a little nervous to go down that Antonio Brown path.
4: He might be, with especially the fact that he's got a pretty good team. And do you want Antonio Brown? In, I don't know if Jerry would think about this, but do you want Antonio Brown influencing a guy like CeeDee Lamb?
5: I don't know if he really can. You know what I'm saying? Well, negatively,
4: like, but it, it, the, I just the I give like, me the ball stuff and
5: well when he comes in though, I feel like the book is already out there on him. He's not exactly somebody that a young player is no. trying to emulate. He's someone that they're trying to find a copacetic work environment with in order to win.
3: I would hope so. You know? Yeah.
5: That's what I'm thinking.
3: Text line saying A B to the Battlehawks. Mm, no. No. Mm.
5: I don't know about that.
3: A.B. did the one thing that every person that hates their job would love to do, which is just say, F it. I'm leaving and I'm knocking the desk over. Yeah, exactly. But no one does that because it's the most absurd thing ever.
5: Yeah, but I'm also not going to I'm not going to, you know, knock the pencils off and flip the desk over from right On the precipice of a big work bonus, and the goal that we've been working towards for over a year is also near. I think I might wait until after that.
4: I think that's good. That's just me. Mm. Yeah. Good thought.
5: I'd I'd cash that check first.
7: You're killing me, Small.
5: Randy, the Minnesota Vikings, they lost to the Green Bay Packers this week, 37-10. to 10. They have their final game against the Chicago Bears on January 9th. And you would think with that game coming up with uh, kind of a meaningless game at the end of the season between the Bears and the Vikings that the Vikings might want to use this game as an opportunity to evaluate some of the young players they have Turn the page towards 2022, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Well, their head coach, Mike Zimmer, was asked if third round quarterback Kellen Mond might get a look in the final game of the season. And here's what he had to say. Do
2: you think you want to get a look at Mond next week?
8: Not particularly. Mike,
2: why don't you really get a look at him? I
5: see him every day.
4: It's all you need to know about what they think about Kellen Mond in Minnesota. Third round draft choice, by the way.
5: Not particularly. (laughs) Is that the coldest response you've heard?
4: I see him every day. Yeah, that is not great.
5: I think we're good here.
4: (laughs) Unreal. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up as we head down the stretch here, what's on deck on 101 ESPN?
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. One, two, three,
4: four. Well, as you know, Michelle, one of the greatest investigative journalistic entities, In America is 101 ESPN. Yes. And we were able actually to get our microphones into a meeting between Antonio Brown and his agent last night.
5: You were hard at work.
4: Yeah, we were working it. And so this is the the conversation that A.B., after he had been to the Nets game, had with his agent.
3: (laughs) Well, it doesn't sound like you completely
10: thought this through. I guess not. What should I do?
7: Maybe you can just go back. Go back? Yeah. Pretend like it never happened. You mean just walk into the staff meeting on Monday morning like it never happened? Sure.
3: You're an emotional person. People don't take you seriously. (laughs) Just go back.
7: Pretend the whole thing never happened. Never happened. I was blowing off a little steam. So what? So what?
3: You're entitled? I'm emotional. That's right. You're emotional.
0: <laughs> Never happened. Never happened.
5: <laughs> I would think that that might work if yeah. he just shows up to fit the film session on Monday. However, speaking of film, it was caught on camera. Yeah. Hey, that, guys. That might be the only po- What? <laughs> I was just emo- I don't know what you're talking about. He's emotional. We have the footage, Antonio, of exactly what you did. <laughs>
4: It was great. There
5: was a boom mic right there.
4: Yeah. Hey, Michelle, early next month, February 2nd, on the Today Show, the Washington football team will reveal its new name and logo, which would lead one to believe if they're going to have a logo that it's not going to be the Washington football team anymore.
5: Well, the Internet is already all over this, Randy, and it's all over my timeline. People are saying that the website, the team's website, is automatically... Directly rerouting to, would you like me to reveal it? I would
4: like you to reveal it.
5: Thank you, Andrew, for the drum roll, the drama. The Washington Admirals. And I, in fact, click on Washington Admirals, and it goes right to WashingtonFootball.com.
4: Oh, there we go. Okay, try this one. Try Washington Commanders.com. Yes, and see if that does
5: it. You know, I'm always nervous, Randy, to...
4: I know. I get it. Type
5: things it. on my work computer. Yeah. Even Washington. So it's some loading. of the
4: names that have been brought Washington. up as possibilities are among the uh, the two, one that Michelle brought up, Washington Admirals, Washington Commanders, Washington Armada.
5: There's no website Armada. for the commanders. Okay, It's just good. loading, loading, loading.
4: Washington Brigade, mm. Washington Sentinels, mm. Washington Defenders.
5: Like that one.
4: And Washington Red Hogs and Washington Presidents. I'm thinking that if Washington Admirals is going right to Washington Football Team, that's pretty telling.
5: And when you go to WashingtonFootball.com, the Washington Admirals sends you there. The entire logo is two two twenty two. It's there. You it's go. The team website. So
4: Admirals, it is. I
5: think they might have messed that up. Yeah. I would be kind of surprised if it wasn't the Admirals, considering that it's getting rerouted to that website already.
4: Yeah, they did that uh, in, in the NFL. They're all over it, like in the middle of the 2015 season. uh, If you uh, typed in Los Angeles Rams, it went to the St. Louis Rams website.
5: Oh, love that.
4: So we kind of had that idea.
5: I have to say, though, the Admirals, great name. I think that's an awesome name. I agree. Just like Cleveland with the Guardians. I thought the Guardians was a great name, and they did a great rollout, too. So it just depends on how they present it to their fan base.
4: What about St. Louis Battlehawks?
5: What about it? That's amazing.
4: It's one of the great names of all time, isn't it?
5: Cool, cool. When are they coming back? Come on, Rock. We're
4: about a year away from Dwayne. the start of training camp.
5: Dwayne, I know you had a great holiday season. I appreciate you taking that time for your family. Now it's time to get to work. It okay? Is. No excuses. We're in 2022. Get her done.
4: All right. A couple of notes here. Number one. So, no St. Louis U basketball against LaSalle tomorrow night. LaSalle has COVID issues. Number two, no Mizzou basketball tomorrow night against Mississippi State because of COVID issues. So, we're losing our college basketball season, Michelle.
5: We're losing a lot,
4: right? Not that (laughs) Mizzou wasn't already losing.
5: Oh, Randy, come on, come on. (laughs) It feels like whatever team you follow, your team has been directly impacted by COVID in a pretty serious and negative way. It seems like every team is having outbreaks in whatever sport we're talking about, whether it's the NFL, NHL, college basketball, college football. I mean, how many bowl games did we lose? Look at the Blues. How Mm -hmm. many people did they lose? The NHL had to have an extended break. The NFL has tons of people that have been on the COVID list. I'm not surprised by this in the least bit, that it's now impacting college basketball this severely.
4: And by the way, the problem's are with the Mizzou program, according to their official statement. The game at Mizzou Arena against Mississippi State postponed due to a combination of positive tests, contact tracing, and subsequent quarantining of individuals within the Mizzou program, consistent with SEC COVID-19 management requirements. I don't think it's any coincidence, Michelle, that last week, a week and a half ahead of the playoffs, the NFL reduced their number of tests mm-hmm. and pull back the protocols so that it's much easier for a player to co- or a coach who tests positive if they get tested at all to get into a game.
5: Yeah, I imagine that they're having those conversations now about adjustments that probably need to be made because this is not going away. <laughs> it's not it just seems yep. like it's something that they're going to have to learn how to deal
4: with. We have a new show coming up here on 101 ESPN. Our buddy Tim McKernan is in the building, and he does his morning show from 7 to 10 right down the hall from us. And then he comes into our studio for the first time in just a few moments, and he's going to have a show called Balloon Party. And we're looking forward to Tim being on this station every single day from 10 to 11.
5: Balloon Party. Let's go.
4: It's a balloon party. The late, great Joe Strauss said when people would say, oh, that's a great move by the Cardinals signing Johnny Peralta. And Joe would say, well, let's not be throwing any balloon parties just quite yet. So it's kind of a, well, it's an homage to the late, great Joe Strauss. And they are going to throw balloon parties and make sure that everything is fun and exciting, even though it might not be.
5: Well, I'm excited to welcome in our new teammates and very excited to listen to their show. I'm sure it's going to be exciting and entertaining.
4: And you will hear them every day between 10 and 11 here on 101 ESPN. We want you to know that. Our podcast is available for you every day at 101ESPN.com and brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. So if you didn't get the opportunity to hear from Jordan Cairo, you'll have that opportunity. Darren Pang was with us today, Mike Claiborne, a lot of people that you'll have the opportunity to hear. And a lot of discussion, obviously, about Antonio Brown and the National Football League.
5: You know what we need to do, Randy, too, is tell people to follow you on social media. That needs to be our New Year's resolution. We need to get Randy's IG followers up.
4: Let's do that. You can follow me on the Insta. At R.J. Carricker, you can follow Michelle at M. Smallman, and we have so much great content for you. It's a lot of fun. You a lot of content from your New Year's Eve party the other night, for example. Yeah,
5: that's right. It was a good time. Thank you to everyone who came out to celebrate with us at Ballpark Village. It was a very fun way to ring in the new year. I hadn't done anything like that in a long time. Andrew Marsh was there. He was having a great time with his but with his buddies. I think they were at the Crown Room dude, tearing it up. Randy,
3: we were uh,
4: we were everywhere. <laughs> Sounds like a happy new year.
5: Good. What did you do?
4: Uh we went to the balloon glow and then the hope was to get over to top golf because we've done that for new year's eve before didn't get an opportunity to de- get into top golf so we'll, hopefully we'll be able to pull that off next year. So I just went home and watched the football games.
5: Which sounds like an amazing night. I love a low key new year's eve until I also watched the football games and they were quite disappointing.
4: Yeah, they kind of were. Well, especially if you were a Michigan fan or a Cincinnati fan. Yeah. But you know what? Credit to Cincinnati.
5: I agree. I it was closer than I thought it would be, but I was just waiting for both games to reach a compelling point and it never really happened.
4: And it's not going to change. This is the way the SEC is going to dominate for years. And if you're going to win, I'm sure that this is what Oklahoma and Texas figured out. If we're going to win, we got to get into the SEC. And we'll talk more about that as we approach the championship game next Monday. Thanks to Andrew Marsh, our producer-engineer. Great work as always. I appreciate it. Michelle, happy 2022.
5: Thanks, Randy. Great first show of the new year.
4: Fantastic. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis.
1: You've been listening to the character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
9: This place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.